Welcome to the King's Healing Room Podcast, where we are a kingdom ministry with an urban presence. The assistant pastor is Elder Joseph Dow, and the pastor and founder is Reverend Brian K. Hill Sr. We are at the Rescue Mission, which is located at 120 Gifford Street in Syracuse, New York. All are welcome. I'm going to give the uh, biography of this powerful uh, young man, I call him young man, because I'm 29. Biography, uh, but Evan will uh, no full flip. Sorry, we've been to the hospital enough over the last three weeks, and, uh, and then I will come with an introduction. Elder Stephen Williams, you see, how can I be 29 and you be 50? Elder Stephen Williams, 28. <laughs> has been a dedicated member of Foursquare Gospel, Church of God in Christ, all his life. He accepted the call to ministry in 1994 and was ordained in 2000 by the late general board member and jurisdictional prelate, Bishop Leroy R. Anderson. Amen. Amen. He has served as an armor bearer to his pastor, Superintendent Kenneth E. Clark, for the past 15 years. His work in the state has been to serve as adjutant scribe under the leadership of Chief Adjutant uh, and Pastor Brian Gerald and Superintendent Jeffrey Melvin. Elder Stephen Williams is a graduate of Lemoyne College. Come on, let's give it hey! up. Hey! He obtained his, uh, his uh, bachelor's degree in accounting business management. Several years after graduating from Lemoyne College, Stephen joined UPS, where he is employed as a talent support manager for the corporate learning and development staff. Elder Williams and his wife, Teresa, my sister, Mother Hill's daughter, has been married for 23 years. They have three children, Whitney, 21. This is telling everything. Alexander, 17. Alexander will be going in as a freshman at Lemoyne College. Brittany graduated from Buffalo State. Albany State. And uh, now she's looking for a job living at home. I love you. I'm going to get it all this alive, I promise. And Taryn, 12. He is active in the community. He serves on several boards and is a Silver Life member of the NCAA in the, in the NCAAP. I'm still thinking about basketball. I'm going to put you as a life member of the, of the uh, basketball association. Brother Evan is going to come and then as I come to a stand and let's receive 
uh, our speaker on this morning in the guise of none other than Elder Stephen Williams. Amen. Amen.
Let's give a rousing praise as we welcome. Is, is this your first time in an official capacity? You've been here, yes. So we've been here? All right. All right. You ready to be blessed? Time to take your rake out. I'm gonna go old school. Take your rake out and rake in the word of God. Amen. Let's put our hands together and bless God for the ministry of Elder Stephen Williams. Come on. Yeah. So bless his holy name. 
But after you have blessed him, you don't believe that he will do what he said he was going to do for you. Pastor Hill, the, the, the message that you just delivered to your people, and I, I'm going to piggyback on that because it is what I was going to deliver to the people of God anyways. And when I was sitting there, when he first started speaking about it, I said, well, you know, let me change it then. And God said, no, it is a confirmation that the word needs to be delivered in that manner. So what you're about to hear is going to be something that I believe will bless each and every soul that's in here. And it's also going to be something that when you leave from out of here, you will then realize that it is not for you to be perfected, but you are growing in perfection. Amen. Okay. How many know that there's a difference between being grateful and thankful? There's a difference between being Grateful and thankful. See, thankful are things that you know about. You know that the car that almost hit you, if you didn't veer to the right, the car would have been a head-on collision with you. You're thankful for that because you knew about it. But you didn't know about the bullet that went over the top of your car. And you didn't realize that God had dispatched one of his angels to deflect the bullet from coming into your car. You didn't know that the, 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 that the, 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 the person that was trying to rob the houses on your street actually drove past your house, stopped and looked at your house and said, no, I'm just going to go someplace else. You didn't realize that the sickness that came into the job that you work all the time, when you sat in your seat, the same individual that had the ailment, the illness that used your phone while you weren't there, you picked the same phone up, but then you realized, you know what, better yet, let me clean it off first before I, you didn't know that, that's gratefulness, because you didn't realize what had gone on, that the devil was trying to ensue upon you, that the devil was trying to put upon you, that the devil was trying to kill you with, you didn't realize it, that's grateful, so the next time you sing the song, I'm so grateful, for all the things that you have done. I'm so grateful for all the victories. We, understand when you say we, that means there's you and someone else, you and the Lord, we have won. I'm so grateful. Realizing that there's a difference between grateful and thankful. I had to take my jacket off because I forgot that he told me this was your dress down Sunday. So I came in in my Sunday best. And, and I realized, wait a minute. Everybody don't have on what I got on. Hold on a second. Hey, Pastor, what, what's going on? You, you, you had a senior moment and forgot, I told you. It's dressed down Sunday. I said, I'm, I said I, I, I'm dressed well enough, I can take the jacket off. And, and, and still, the Lord will bless. Amen. Amen. Amen? Let's go into this very, very quickly. Pastor said something to you all, and I heard everybody in the congregation get, get elated behind it. He said, "There's not the problem is not getting saved. The problem is staying saved. It's maintaining your salvation. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, it tells us that in the sixth chapter, the very first verse, it tells us that if a brother be overtaken in a fault, if you if he overtaken in a fault, 
Meaning that you knew his past. You knew how I used to act. You knew some of the crazy things that I used to do. Mama ain't gonna tell no secrets today because you still have a very pure, virgin, innocent heart in the things of how your son used to be. But listen. I'll talk to this side of the room over here because some of y'all know how I used to be. Some of y'all know some of the folks I used to run with. Some of y'all know some of the things I used to do. Some of y'all know how I used to act. Uh, but if a brother be overtaken in a fault, meaning that think you're, not, you're not overtaking the things that you don't know about. Faults normally happen with situations that you're familiar with. See, you gotta read, you gotta recognize this. It's not a matter of you doing something wrong, because we all do something wrong every day. That's why God asks us every evening that we should ask Him for forgiveness, because there are things that we do unbeknownst to ourselves that we do. The way I looked at a person may have been, they, you may have taken it wrongly, and I may have affected you or offended you to how I looked at you. But mentally, I was just looking past you. I wasn't even paying attention to you. I was looking at Sister Brandis in the back, but the look I had on my face about Sister Brandis, you thought it was about you. I need to ask God to forgive me for that look. Not so much you to forgive me because I didn't do anything mentally in my own heart, my own mind towards you, but because I caused you to stumble behind my look. I need to ask God to forgive me. That is a fault that I might have because how I used to be out in the street, if I didn't like what you did, I had a way of showing you visually that I was not pleased with the way that you were acting. I wasn't pleased with the way you were talking about or to me. I would show you and show up on my face. Now that I'm saved, just because I'm saved now doesn't mean that those old looks don't have a way of coming back. And because you, as a saint of God, look at me and you feel as though while he said in Sunday morning service that God has blessed him and now he is saved, and you look at me, I may cause you to have a different thought about me because of how that thought now has overtaken me. You were just talking about gossipers. And that may have been a lifestyle that I had before. And every day I have to ask God to renew his mercies with me because if I used to gossip the fool, it's very difficult to break old habits. So now the devil doesn't bring anything to you that you're unfamiliar with. There's no need for you to bring crack cocaine to me now. Not that I'm unfamiliar with it, but I know that I've overcome that part of that section in my life. Well, there's no need for you to bring to me wine or alcohol because I was never really a drinker. So now the devil's not going to present to me something that I'm not familiar with and expect for me to stumble over it. But what he will do is present to me something that I'm very familiar with and expect me to try and fight through that. So yes, I'm saved, but now I need to maintain my salvation. And when the devil presents it to me, it is not the devil's job to try and keep it from me is not even God's job to try and keep it from me. It is my job as a saint God to be able to look at the problem and say, Lord, bless me as I go through. So those of you that may see a brother overtaken in a fault, 
The Bible goes on and it tells us, ye that are spiritual. Yes. I don't want you to get confused. Spiritual doesn't mean you show up to church on Sunday. All right. Spiritual is not the same premise that Oprah puts out and says that I am spiritual. Spiritual has nothing to do with where you worship at. Spiritual has all to do with how you worship. And more importantly, who you worship. They may see a brother overtaken in a fault. Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. The reason that you need to restore the individual is because in the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, the 25th and the 26th verse, the Bible tells us in the 25th verse of that chapter, it says, that we need to be instructors to those individuals that oppose themselves. Now what does it mean to oppose yourself? It means that when you know that you're about to do something that you should not be doing, you know that you are about to indulge in an activity that you know is wrong, but you oppose yourself Meaning that you know that it's wrong, but you're going to deny yourself the answer that's being given to you and do it anyway. Just so that I, I, I give it to you correctly. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2 and 20. And it is speaking to us as individuals. And it says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So what is what the Bible is trying to say is that if you should stumble, and if you should fall. God has already preordained it for you to be accepted back into the fold. If you should just ask for repentance behind the sin that you knew or the fault that you knew you committed. Everybody does not see my life. But there's a whole lot of things I might do that y'all may never see. But then there's opportunities for you to see some of the stuff that I do and might go... What in the world possessed him to do that? Why would he do something of that nature? Why would he say something like that? What would make him carry that type of thing around? I saw him coming out of the liquor store. Now why would he be in a liquor store? He's supposed to be a man of God. What was he doing there? Well, maybe I was trying to make a dish to call for dry life. And when I cook the wine with the dish, I'm not talking to the chef, you know, it burns off the alcohol. So there's no need for us to be concerned about it. If we consume that, then we would get drunk behind it, right? You sound like you've been doing it before. Yeah. So when we, when we, when we look, at, look at that, the only way I'm going to get this fine, dry wine is if I go into the liquor store. But now, 
Let me, let me, let me help you all with this. Come on with me very, very quickly. And, and we just about done with this. Come on with me very quickly to the book of Genesis. The ninth chapter. The 20th through the 24th verse. The Bible says this. And Noah began to be an hus husbandman. Basically, what the Bible is saying is that Noah began to be a farmer. Not a job that Noah had done before. Think about it. Noah had been working and building and, and crafting an ark for 120 years. Preaching to the women, to the men and the women of God. Because they were his children even while they were in their sin. Preaching to them and saying, repent. For God is going to destroy the earth with a flood. So for 120 years, that's what Noah spent his time doing. Creating this ark. But he was not a farmer. But the Bible says that after the after the, 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 the ark had been crafted in, in, in the back, it, it says that Noah began to be a husbandman. And he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine. And was drunken. How many of you know that when you are drunk, that you are very insensitive to the feelings of other people around you? It sounds like folks know what I'm talking about. When you get drunk, you'll basically say anything that's on your mind and tell folks exactly how you're feeling when you're drunk. But when you're sober, you seem to have a way to control that tongue a little bit more because you realize maybe I shouldn't really say what I'm thinking about you because I, but when I'm drunk, The Bible says that and, and he was drunken and was uncovered within his tent. Meaning that he got so drunk that he actually either had a hot flash and took his clothes off. Or some of us that know when you get drunk, you do some things that the next morning folks tell you what you did. And you can, oh Lord, did I really do that? You mean I was like, what? Oh Lord, really? Line. I did what? Oh my goodness. Oh Lord. That is drunk. But it said that he was drunk and was un uncovered in his tent. But his drunkenness, when folks get drunk, you realize that you will say just about anything you want to an individual. So the problem that I'm running into is that I'm running into folks in churches that are drunk. Because they have a tendency to say whatever they want to anybody in the church. And feel as though that because I've been in the church as long as I have been, I can speak to you any kind of way I want to. And you better accept it because of who I am. But you must realize that you are just drunk. And you need to sober up. Because when you begin to speak to folks in that manner, you are clothing and undressing your own self. Because the only way you're able to recognize such nastiness in somebody else is that you have to realize you have to see it in you before in order for you to recognize it in me. Because if you've never seen that before, then how do you see it in me? But here's the problem that I 
the scripture. It says, in Ham, this is his son. In Ham, the father of, the, of Canaan, and you realize that Canaan and Israel always and still are having their battles with each other. But the Bible tells us that Ham saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. I never understood it until God revealed it to me in this fashion. Those of you that are in the king's healing room, you are experiencing individuals that are coming into the king's healing room with issues and problems and struggles and battles. And they have not, they are not members of the conventional church because the conventional church has shunned them. They are now coming to you and they're expecting for you to embrace them. And when you embrace them, you're going to see nakedness that's within them. You're going to see harshness that they've been through. They're going to reveal to you problems that they have suffered. But the problem I have with you is when you now take what you have seen outside of the church and begin to tell folk about what's going on in your church. Shem and Jephthah took a garment 
and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Now, understand that just because Ham approaches you does not mean that you have the right to accept what Ham is doing. Just because Ham is saying it to you does not mean you have the right to react to what Ham has done. Ham said what he said, told about the nakedness of his father, but look at what a true saint will do. The Bible tells me that Sham and Jephthah took a garment and they laid it on their shoulders. And they walked backwards towards their father. So as not to see the nakedness. See, when somebody's overtaken in a fault, you don't need to know what they did. All you need to do is pray for them. Treated them when they were in their sin, and now you're 
wondering why they don't talk to you the way that you want them to. Do they know that I'm the preacher of the church? Do they not know that I want the missionaries in the church? They should give me the respect that is due me. No, because you didn't respect them when they... And the question comes to us, and we say, okay, well, well, when I find an individual that's overtaken in a fault, you know, what do I do? I, I don't have a garment like Shem and Jephthah had to cover them with. I don't have a garment to place on them and, and not look upon them. I don't have that garment, but I beg to differ with you. Yeah. Because the Bible tells me that there is a garment of praise. Yeah. All right. The Bible tells me that there is a garment of praise. And what you can do with your garment of praise is that praising, how many of you realize that when you give something for somebody else, that God honors your giving and then blesses you for how you gave for somebody else? When you give and you're not looking for it to be given back to you, when you give and you're not looking for some expectation that the only reason I'm giving you this 20 is so that you can give me 40 back. When you give and you're not looking for an expectation of something to be given back to you, God honors that and blesses you immensely for it. So now, you may have a garment of praise because I realize that my sister has been overtaken in a fault. I realize that my brother has been overtaken in a fault. So what do I do? Instead of coming out of the church and talking about them, what I'm going to do is come into the church Nothing that you can say that's going to save me. There's nothing that you can do 
yourself, but for the person that is in trouble. This is between you and you, is it not? Every time somebody walks through these doors, they are in need of something. I can't believe she's in here again. That's not covering them. And see, what you should do after you've covered them with either praise or, or you've covered them with love, the, the problem that we run into is we think, now that we've given up our garment, we have no garment of our own. But what am I going to be covered with? I'm going to help you. In the book of Isaiah, leading from the book of Genesis, and you're going to the book of Isaiah very quickly. The Bible tells me in the book of Isaiah, in the 61st chapter of Isaiah, the Bible says, in the 10th chapter, in the 10th verse of the 61st chapter, it says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Salvation and have covered. Mm. 
God. Cover me with the robe of righteousness. When God covers you, believe me, you're going to recover. When God covers you, no matter how bad the devil might try and feel, no matter how bad the devil might try and act, when God covers you, when God has his hand of mercy resting over the top of you, when God has his hand of mercy resting upon your shoulder, when God covers you, you shall recover. So now you are covering somebody until they recover. And what you covered them with was may have been a little bit of love. It may have been some praise. So it took something from you to do that. And God is saying because you covered them until they recover, I'm going to cover And I'm going to cover you with a praise to God. I'm going to cover you with a 
Thank you. 
folks that have been going through problems in their lives, struggles in their lives, and those struggles have stopped you from praising God the way that you're supposed to. You know that you need to give God more, but because your mind has been weighted down with the struggles of life, that you stop giving God the praise. Your mind might be weighted down. Satan has taken the word from you. Because when you were in struggles before, you would recite the word of God back to Satan. And when you recited it back, you found yourself being lifted up out of the problem. But now because the struggles have pressured you down so much now, that Satan has taken your finances from you. Being that your praise is gone. He's taking your finances. And he's now bothering you so much that he's taking your marriage. And you're wondering what's going on. And he's bothering you so much that he's taking your children. And you're pressured by all of this that is going on in your life. And God is saying that if you will praise me, let me give you this example real quick and I think you might be able to understand this the problems that you had Satan has taken all that but the one thing Satan cannot stand is to hear you praise God and the reason why he can't stand it is because Lucifer used to be So if you 
cover your ears, you drop my stuff. So if I begin to praise God and Satan hears my praise, and Satan doesn't like the fact that I'm praising him, and he covers his ears, you gotta drop my stuff.
but grace by God. I'm not going to prolong. But in an atmosphere like this, if you knew how many, how many right now, 15 years ago, had Alta Vista and Google on your computer. How many of you remember what Alta Vista was? Brother Prince, am I saying it right? It was, it was a web browser, it was an Alta Vista. Years ago, was that right? Alta Vista. If you knew there was two web browsers, you get your computer until, and, and if you knew then that Google would be the monster it is now, when you couldn't spell Google, you would have taken $9 a week and put it away into the stock market. In a world like this, in an environment like this, it's just like you investing in Google or Microsoft in 1989. I was on, and, uh, and uh, Nella, thank God for you. Uh, uh, this past week, she, uh, she completed uh, her coursework, and she is now a certified dialysis technician. Before I met you, the previous dialysis clinic, there was a gentleman who was on, and he was an older gentleman, and, and you know, dressed, that's why you can't judge folk by how they look, and just an ordinary older gent, and, uh, and so one day we got to talking, and uh, he said, uh, he said, young man, what, what, what are your investments? I said, I invest in Jesus. He said, well, that's great, but until you see Jesus, what are you investing in? This man, Brother Prince, was a multi-millionaire. In 1950-something, the early 50s, he took every penny he had, every penny he could borrow, and bought as much Chrysler stock as he could. Amen. He said, I haven't done anything since the late 60s. Wow. He said, if money could get me off of this, it would, because I got the money. He was a multi-millionaire just on stock alone. Seizing the moment. Sowing right now, because I'm going to leave it at that, because we've got about four or five minutes. Seizing the moment, invest that your seed may multiply. And bless God with the first fruit of our offering, well, of our earnings, and what comes in, that's called tithes, 10% of what comes in. And then for our offering, we simply give God a crazy, ridiculous offering. Let everyone stand. As much as giving is and it needs to be taught, talking, speaking of churches that I'd rather go to. I wouldn't want to be in a church that spent more time talking about money than they did sowing the word of God. We need to talk about it, but I'd much rather sow seeds of righteousness. And today's things, I don't, I'm not even going to say if you know. I know you know. Man of God, we bless you. We thank you for depositing that word. It was deposited in the good ground. Come on, y'all respond. That deposited in the good ground. If this is Bible study, I ask you, how can you apply this to your life tomorrow? But I'm going to say that we begin to apply that right now. Amen. We will not talk, but we will uphold. We will not put people down, but we will lift them up. All of us need to be covered, just not by the Holy Spirit. But I need to cover my sister. I, my sister needs to cover me. I need to cover my brother. And my brother needs to cover me. Let me understand as I feel. I have my giving right here. As soon as we have our benediction, please let's make way so our man up staff can begin to reconfigure the sanctuary for the church that's coming in. Once again, everybody be safe. Hi,
stay on the correct sunlight, alright? The sun will be there tomorrow. Is that alright? We love you, we bless you. Amen. Our souls have been so richly blessed. Let's apply this to our lives. Don't let the sun go down on our wrath. Some of us maybe need to call somebody and say, I'm sorry. Somebody needs to call somebody and say, I forgive you. It is done. I'm done with you. Amen. 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 And I will rejoice. Amen. Let me put this mic down so I don't mess up this mic. the King's Healing Room, where you will see our senior pastor, Bishop Brian K. Hill's senior photo. You also can use our text to give. Here how it works. There are five steps. Step one, text GIFT to 1-844-981-2759, which is a unique to the King's Healing Room. Step two, you will receive a text with instructions. Step three, follow the instructions to set up a giving account. Step four, text the amount you want to give and the designation. It could be a tithe, offering, or general fund. In step five, you will receive a receipt via email confirming your gift. And here's the last way you can give. You can use PayPal and send your donation to tkhroffice at gmail.com. That is T-K-H-R-O-F-F-I-C-E at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to listen to more messages like the one you have heard. We are the King's Healing Room and we are a kingdom ministry with a global presence.